0: What's up everybody? Welcome to Hangout in the Holy Land Land Grants flagship podcast. I'm your host Josh Dooley and with me as always the one, the only Chuck Holmes. Chuck, it is game week, my brother. We finally made it. Do you feel that other tingling sensation yet?
1: I'm pretty old, so this is the only tickling sensation I'm feeling anymore. But yeah, I am. I, you know, get a little get a little goosebumps going. Uh, It was a little chilly this morning, dropping the kid off at the bus stop. So it is it is fall in Ohio, or coming close to it. And I'm ready for some real Week One football. Not the uh, semi-real week zero that we just got to experience.
0: Yeah, but you need to emphasize it's only fall between like 9 p.m. and 9 a.m. And then it is a completely different season, completely different season, but that is Ohio weather. But yeah, look, uh, we're excited about this podcast episode. Obviously, the lead here and what this episode will revolve around is Ohio State football and the Buckeyes opener against Indiana this Saturday. But first, Chuck, question for you. Are you a fan of an NFL team? Yes, of course. Would you love to attend your favorite team's week one game?
1: Also, yes, of
0: course. Well, you're in luck in my best game show voice. Fans First Sports Network is giving away four free tickets to the week one NFL game of your choice, up to $5,000. The rules to enter are simple. Go to contest.fansfirstsports, that's F A N S F I R S T S -S 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 P O R T S. and fill out the appropriate information. And that's it. Once you've done that, you've been officially registered to win the four free tickets to any week one NFL game. So, Chuck and others, what are you waiting for? Go enter for your shot at seeing your favorite team in action. Contest ends on September 4th. Damn, I'm a professional. Well, partner, before we dig into week one, uh, let's hit on some week zero in college football It happened. It was real. It was supposed to be spectacular, but alas, it was not. Navy went down like a sunken ship to Notre Dame. Bazinga. Um, Just no resistance from them whatsoever. That was an awful game to watch. And we got to see see the full Caleb Williams and Alex Grinch experience at USC. Just all gas, no brakes is how we're going to refer to that team. All offense, no defense. Chuck... How much of that week zero slate did you catch? And how much more worried about Notre Dame are you now that they have a quarterback capable of completing a forward pass?
1: I watched enough that I'm glad Alex Grinch is not still a coach
0: at Ohio State. and He may have been incognito, though, in uh, the shoe last November. <laughs> Maybe, maybe.
1: I also stand firm in my expectations that Archie's going to stay the only two-time Heisman winner. Caleb okay. Williams needed four, four fifty in that game, I think, and he they they handled business, so he didn't have to. The other one, the Notre Dame game, I'm I'm really worried. I, I, I it, my worry doubled, and I was already concerned. Really? Because and we can get into this or we will get into the other part of this. Ohio State is walking into this with uh, no doubt the second best quarterback in the game on the road. And in college, sometimes that's enough. Like that can be all you need. So the defense better play well these next three weeks. To show it, you're not going to walk into Notre Dame not having it all figured out because I do feel like Hartman will carve up a defense that's not ready to play. A la Navy.
0: Yeah, look, I'm not saying you're wrong. And I was always going to be concerned about Notre Dame. And I like Sam Hartman. I have been in the Hartman Hive since he was on that Netflix show. I think it was a Netflix show. About a decade ago, when he was in high school, they chronicled his career. Um, so I, I, legitimately do like Sam Hartman, but uh, again, I'm gonna go Charlie Murphy here. I, I don't think we can take anything away from that Notre Dame or from that Navy game. Notre Dame and yeah, Navy game. Navy looked awful. I know some of the defensive metrics last year were good. I know that they can possibly run the ball, but, you know, they were supposed to introduce the passing game. That didn't happen. And then, you know, I found myself watching just like position groups and thing. And, And again, maybe this is me coming across as like bitter or a homer or whatever it is. Notre Dame's offensive line is it's stout. It's all that in a bag of chips. That's everything you could ask for. And I think especially linebacker on defense, good experience. Those guys know what they're doing. But I I, I don't know what you can take away from the, about their defensive line nor the secondary. I think Ohio State can and will test that eventually. But then Notre Dame's offense, yeah, like Sam Hartman has some incredible numbers. That's that's easy to do when you've played five essentially full seasons in college. Like those are volume numbers. And prior to last year, he wasn't he had not completed 60 percent of his passes prior to last year. Now, last year may have been a breakout. Uh, He's always had a good touchdown to interception ratio, but you watch some of those balls like. I know that you probably saw it or you're going to know the first one I'm talking about. He had an opportunity on one of their first drives, throw a deep pass, and you know he underthrew or he was late to that receiver, five yards, a full second, whatever it is, well short. Uh, then I'm thinking about his first touchdown that he did throw, not the best placed ball it it ended up looking good and it didn't really slow his receiver down but it also wasn't over his shoulder he didn't lead that guy at all and had the navy defensive back turned around or been in position that's an incompletion that's a pass breakup maybe that's an interception from there like those navy corners and dbs they aren't sticking with any of these wide receivers on notre dame None of which are really tested or proven. Gosh, their second best wide receiver last year. Guess what? He's on Ohio State. He's converted to cornerback, and he's probably not going to see the field this year. That's Lorenzo Styles Jr. The thing with Hartman is I think he can do a lot of things. I think he sort of got a noodle of an arm. I really do. And that's nothing against the kid. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm not Quincy Avery, right? Like I don't, my profession, my living isn't based upon talent evaluation and and mentoring and developing and coaching of quarterbacks. But even some of the outs that he threw, it seems like he loves to throw that out, that simple out. Those Some of those were floaters, man, and, and it's easy to complete when you're throwing to a 6'3 wide receiver who's not very fast, but he can body or box out a Navy cornerback. So, yeah, like I think they're going to be legit. Uh, I really like their offensive line. I think that's absolutely going to be a strength of theirs, but I'm not completely sold on Notre Dame yet just because I, I don't think Navy offered up anything as an opponent. So
1: let me ask you a question. So last year, Notre Dame came to Ohio State. How would Ohio State win that game by? Refresh my memory. I don't remember. I know it wasn't much, but they lost JSN. I mean, that was. Okay. Did they? who, Who had the better quarterback? The team with the number two pick or the team whose quarterback is maybe a backup in Alabama? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Ohio State definitely did. Fair point. Yeah, so Sam Hartman has thrown for 8,000 yards the last two years. Like he's And in the ACC, he didn't come from the map. So have a lot of 30-year-olds. A lot of
0: 30-year-olds have thrown.
1: (laughs) You're right. Hey, I don't disagree with that, but guess what? Ohio State doesn't get to start up 10 points because he's old. Yeah. they're still starting at the same rate. like him being 26 years old is a plus for them. Uh, the other part that really concerns me is all Navy does. I know they're bringing in the the passing game, but the offensive coordinator they brought in ran the ball 70% of the time last year, and they averaged about two yards a carry. So Navy was designed to run the ball. They brought in a guy that ran the ball and they still couldn't run the ball on the other day. So that is concerning. Even if you beat them, you're still going to give up 200, 200. Like, think about back when Ohio State's played them. They could beat them by 30 points, but still gave up 200 yards rushing because that's what they do. They rush the ball. Eventually, they're going to break a couple of them. So that part of it is um, – it, it's concerning, man. Ohio State doesn't have the best quarterback in this game, and Notre Dame's defense looks much improved. So I, I'm concerned.
0: I mean, it's definitely fair. Look, you know, I'm I'm throwing jabs at Hartman and Notre Dame because I, I've never really been the biggest fan. But yeah, I mean, they're gonna be legit. I absolutely believe that, and I think that they are better than the Notre Dame of last year. But it's just, again, it's all about position groups, right? Like I don't I don't think Notre Dame has a legit wide receiver on the roster. Maybe I'll be proven wrong there. And yeah, they can run the ball. They've got, uh, gosh, uh, the kid's name is going to escape me, but he's a tank. You know, he averaged like eight yards per carry against Notre Dame on Saturday. I think he's a good running back. But for the majority of the year, last year, Ohio State was very, very, very strong against the run. Granted, they weren't so much against Michigan. Maybe that was scheme. Maybe that was game plan. But you know, I I think that Ohio State's front six, front seven, will be better. Addition by subtraction. No offense to those guys who have departed. So, I don't know. We'll see. It's definitely. I'm. I'm glad that it's week four instead of week one, and it's week five for Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame plays five consecutive weeks or four consecutive weeks in the lead-up to that. Granted, they don't play anybody, but they play North Carolina State, which, you know, I'm not up on the Wolfpack this year, but we'll see. They don't have the quarterback they did last year. I don't know if there'll really be anything to write home about, but, yeah, it's, it's a little concerning to see that they have an actual quarterback, but... I, I'm not going to fret just yet. I might after this Saturday when I see what Ohio State puts on the field. But I need to at least get to Saturday or Sunday for that. And, you know, just quickly as far as USC goes, next verse same as the first, right? It's the same thing. We know what Caleb Williams can do. He's got a gang load. He's got more weapons now. I think the, the freshman Zachary Branch was... Dynamic looked like a Reggie Bush or a Ted Ginn or something like that. He looked great. Is it is it Zachary Branch? I think I got that right. I know Chuck's gonna look it up right now and confirm. Zachariah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to mess that up. I knew you were looking it up for me, but um, then the defense, gosh, gave up a handful of twenty-plus yard plays, twenty-eight points overall, a ton of first downs. I wish I could give credit to at least one person posted something on Twitter. I saw it or X. I saw it where it was like third and 22. And rather than just sort of let your guys up front eat and and keep everything underneath, Grinch like sent the house for some exotic look, ended up being a 30-yard scramble for San Jose State's quarterback. I don't know that that guy's ever going to get it. And so, but they're probably going to be in the thick of things. They play a tough conference, though. I like Oregon. Spoiler alert for our uh, sort of preseason questionnaire. I was high on Oregon. I have them in the playoff. Breaking news, Chuck. I don't know if you want to react to that, but I've got Oregon coming out of the Pac-12 and making the playoff. I'm going to call them the Pac-4. How about that? But yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting, but I didn't take a ton from week zero. Like I said, I just don't think Navy's much of a team. San Jose State wasn't going to offer much resistance to USC. So anything else about that week stand out? I mean, you probably didn't watch OU San Diego State or anything like that. No, I didn't have a parlay on uh, OU like you
1: did, so I didn't watch it.
0: Here's the thing. I'm not going to take your slander. (laughs) Because Curtis Rourke, last year's MAC Player of the Year, had like 80 yards passing through 15 game minutes And then he went out for the rest of the game. So I should have gotten my money back. You can't do anything about injuries. It just sort of is what it is. Anything else, week zero or otherwise, that you want to cover? Anything of significance that I might have missed before we jump into this Ohio State-Indiana spiel? I mean, it's Tuesday afternoon. We didn't miss any news or anything today that we need to discuss. Anything?
1: I don't know that we did. It was a pretty low-key day.
0: I don't want to bury the lead, so maybe we'll get to that as part of this. But, yeah, I think let's just jump into it. Let's do it. Well, Well, Chuck and I, let's take a break first. Let's take a break so
1: we don't have to break. And then we're going to go headlong in and everybody better hold the hell on
0: because it's going to get bumpy. All right. We're going to regroup here, get ready, and we'll be right back with you guys. Welcome back, everybody, to Hangout in the Holy Land Land Grants flagship podcast. I am Josh Dooley. With me is Chuck Holmes, and it is game week. Finally, it is week one, and we're finally going to be able to talk about our Ohio State Buckeyes, some of their opponents, some real college football, sans that week zero stuff. So, what? Chuck and I are going to do is sort of break down and discuss Ohio State in the same manner we did contenders, pretenders, and bottom feeders. We covered those teams, all of the Big Ten teams, in our previous three episodes. After that, I want to put Chuck on the spot with a few questions like what are his concerns, what is he optimistic about, things like that. And then we are going to preview Indiana and this weekend's game. You ready, partner? (laughs) Let's do it. All right. Let's start here. Is Ohio State a contender? They
1: are a contender. Yes, I think uh, when you look at who we consider. Well, here, uh, let's go back. You considered Iowa a contender, so damn right they are. Good lord.
0: Okay. I mean, that was a test. If you called them a bottom feeder, we were probably going to have to hit pause and have words. But yes, I mean, Ohio State is obviously a national contender. They're going to be ranked two, three, four, whatever they currently are in any poll that you like. Um, over and under most places is about 10 and a half. They're trying to get that action between 10 and 11. The Buckeyes went 11 and two last year with losses to that team up North in the game and Georgia in the CFP. So yes, they are on a two game losing streak. And yes, Ryan Day has taken some bumps and bruises in the past few seasons, but They have the best wide receiver duo in the country, as well as probably more than a handful of talented running backs and tight ends Uh, on the other side of the ball. OSU legitimately returns all of their best players from the 2022 campaign. Like all of their best defenders are back. Sands, maybe Zach Harrison who had his moments, but this should hopefully be an improved defense in year two under Jim Knowles. However, Among those not returning are obviously C.J. Stroud, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Parrish Johnson Jr., Dwan Jones, Luke Whipler, just to name a few. Three first rounders gone from a year ago, 60% of the offensive line, and at the very least, experience on defense. So pluses and minuses there, right? Chuck, let's just start with the offense. Ohio State Coach Ryan Day announced today, Tuesday, that Kyle McCord will start Saturday against Indiana, but that Devin Brown will also play. McCord is the former, is the more experienced former five-star recruit. And then you've got Brown, who was a talented recruit in his own right, but he got banged up during the spring. Uh, Chuck, I'll just put it like this. What are we doing here and why are we doing it? Like, do you have issues with the way that this quarterback battle is or has ultimately played out? I guess I have issues with the fact that neither of them played well enough
1: to take the job, maybe. But what if if they're both good? (laughs) What if they're both good? Uh, Well, he, he he speaking of burying the lead, because Ryan Days only said that they were both good one time. And every time he's spoken since the spring, he has had one effusive day of praise for them. And that was last week after the second scrimmage. Even this week, all he said was McCord's been more consistent. Like he hasn't, he has not been effusive of praise at all for these guys. And he's been effusive elsewhere. So that part of it is is the part that's a little concerning that, that neither of them still have taken this job by the, by the horns and who the hell knows how this is going to play out in Indiana. We've already seen them go and have clunky big 10 openers as first games just because, right. Yeah. I mean, and you're going to have, you're going to have quarter. I mean, think about going to Minnesota two years ago, CJ Stroud struggled being a new quarterback and he got the whole game to figure it out. Think if he only got half the snaps. It was his second half that he played well. So, think if he had only gotten half the snaps. So now they're both, I, I don't see how one of them gets more snaps than the other. I feel like he would have, like, if, if they're not split 50 50, just don't split them. Just give whoever, just give them a quarter ball. So they're going to split these. And it may not be rotating series, but it's going to be, they're going to be within five or six snaps of each other. And I just, oof, like, we got to figure this out quickly. Because you cannot go into Notre Dame with two guys getting first-team reps during practice and two guys playing against uh, a team that just went to Dublin and gave up two yards of carry and nothing through the air and expect to win on the road. I just – I don't see it.
0: It's less than ideal. I'll absolutely give you that. I guess what I took away from Ryan Day's comments, especially today – It sort of seemed like McCord was always the front runner. Um, Devin Brown flashed, maybe had a couple really good weeks, but it's sort of always been McCord. That's sort of what I heard today. And what I also took from it, again, this is just my personal sort of whatever. It kind of sounded like, look, Kyle's the guy. But I like Devin and I think he deserves to play and we're going to get him in there. And maybe that's learning from the past because he sure as shit didn't do that in the past. He may have said some good things about Kyle McCord. Didn't mean he was getting a snap. Even when he did, Is like, turn around, hand the ball off, call it a day. So maybe he sort of changed his tactic or his mentality. Maybe I'm dead wrong. I, I don't know. But... It's like I said last week, I think we have to give Ryan Day and his team the benefit of the doubt. You said they're due. Again, you could be right, but they've really knocked the quarterback thing out of the park since 2017, 2018, when Ryan Day first came to Columbus. So I'm going to choose to believe for now. But yeah, it's it's a little funky. You'd like to have a guy that is head and shoulders above the rest. But like I said... Maybe they're just both really good, and his praise or lack thereof, I don't know, certain guys have to be coached a a certain way, and I'm not saying this about C.J. Stroud at all, but maybe C.J. Stroud needed to hear that praise, or it, it helped him, and maybe Kyle McCord is like... That guy with the chip on his shoulder. You don't want to give him that bone. You don't want to give him those compliments because it's just going to make him work harder. Like he shouldn't be have to be incentivized to work harder and want to win this job and things like that. But I don't. Know, I'm going to try and give Ryan Day the benefit of the doubt, and I think we're going to have a lot more conversation about this as the weeks and the season and even this podcast goes on. But moving on. At running back, wide receiver, and tight end, a.k.a. the skill positions, I can't even count all the scarlet and gray studs using both hands. We sort of know what to expect there, right? Like, if you're listening to this pod, you know the deal with Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Ibuka, Trevion Henderson, Cade Stover, etc. But, Chuck, humor the fans... Who else? I'm I'm eliminating Marvin Harrison Jr. from consideration. I thought about eliminating Emeka Ibuka. Who else are you excited to watch on this Ohio State offense in 2023?
1: I am fascinated to see how the running back like rotation plays out because we see I, te-
0: I teed you up things. I teach you up for the year of the tight end. You've been pounding the table for it. And I can't get a single Cade Stover. No, I'm, I'm kidding. No. I'm kidding.
1: It is. Um, I, I, I'm fascinated because you talk. All you hear is you've got four guys that have played that are capable. And then everything you hear is prior is 100% and running all over the place. So you can't give the ball to all five guys. And keep them all happy. So that part is like super fascinating. I just can't wait to see how that rotation plays out. Um, I am. You hear all this good stuff about Carnell Tate. And that is super exciting. My concern. Is this is a Jamison Williams deal where he may get that third receiver playing time, but may not get the stats because the quarterbacks aren't good enough. Like, and and even if they're good, there still may not be enough yards to go around for three guys, right? Because they're still not going to be, you you feel like they're going to be a step below what Stroud was and what fields were, and they couldn't feed three guys. So this guy, Tate may play a ton as the third guy, and it may not show in the stat box, but I, I can't wait to see him like actually on the field and see what he can do.
0: I'll start with the running back situation. It's interesting that, yes, we've heard Evan Pryor is healthy. And then Ryan Day or it was somebody said, yeah, we expect to see all four of Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, Chip Trianum, and Dallin Hayden play. <clears throat> so I do wonder what's going on with Evan Pryor. Maybe they're just trying to ease him back in. Maybe they want to be uber conservative. And instead of 100%, he needs to be 110%. I don't know. But yeah, I'm excited about the running backs. I have gone on the record. I think Trayvon Henderson is going to be an absolute beast this year. And we've seen what Mayan Williams can do. I think Mayan Williams can be even better in small doses or really maybe both of them. You don't maximize the touches, but you maximize the production by splitting it evenly or whatever you do. Because Trayvon Henderson and Mayan Williams, to a lesser extent, have sometimes struggle to stay healthy. I think they're going to be great. And then Chip them I mean, I don't know. They need to bring back the fullback or something. That dude is a brick you-know-what house. He's a converted linebacker. Um, he looks like Ronnie Coleman out there. Like He's put together, put him at fullback or something, but I, I'd like to see him involved. And then I like Dallin Hayden too. I think that we saw what he could do in an emergency sort of usage situation last year and he was great. <clears throat> as far as Tate, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if there's enough ball to go around. It's, I think it's sort of funny that you and I and others will sort of sit here and go back and forth on our levels of confidence. But then you read about, or there are there certain national media members or those that are sort of plugged in and they're like, I don't know why people are worrying. We know what Ohio state's offense is going to be. And so I, I try to take that at face value and be like, "Cool, I'm just being pessimistic." But yeah, it's a lot of stuff to go around. Uh, go around, and beyond that, somebody's got to protect all these guys and, and block on block for them, right? So, up front, I would say that there is some concern as Ohio State is looking to replace both tackles as well as its starting center. Chuck and I have gone back and forth on this. Certainly a bit nervous, but I look at what Justin Fry did with the Buckeyes offensive line last year. Run blocking was up and down at times, but pass pro was typically great, especially against Georgia. Then you check on Paris Johnson Jr. and DeJuan Jones and Luke Whipler at the next level. They all balled out during their first NFL preseason. So here I am. I am officially planting my flag on Josh Jimmy Simmons Island and entrusting McCord or Brown's life and well-being to Justin Fry. Chuck, will you join me? Will you come home? Will you inhabit my island? I will not yet. I trust.
1: Here's the thing. I don't think coaching st- the coaching staffs are making the wrong picks. By any means, I think this is a scenario and this is another one like the quarterback position where nobody took the job. And there's you. I don't doubt that Jimmy Simmons is who they determined is the best option for left tackle. What I also don't doubt is as a redshirt freshman at San Diego State, he was a very mediocre right tackle. So in eight months, he went from a mediocre group of five right tackle to good enough to start for the number two or number three team in the country at left tackle. That's a big jump, man. Like that, that is, that is a huge leap in production that he needs to show. And so I, I, I'm a little worried still. I can't wait to see it. I'll be watching. I think I'll be watching the tackles more live than I will the quarterback because you got to watch them more like that part of it. If they're good and if he's as good as we all hope he is, he makes the quarterback's job so much easier and they'll have a chance for success. If the tackles stink, I don't care who you put back there. You could bring CJ Stroud back.
0: If the tackles stink, he's not going to be any good. That's fair. You talk about taking the position, though, and I think that Simmons may be the one guy who did take a position because when they started fall ball, you know, he was a late arrival. They started fall ball, and they're like, ah, you know, we'll kind of see what we got. We'll, We'll maybe throw him there at right tackle. And then 20 minutes later, it seemed like, we heard that he had been moved to left tackle. He was the front runner for the job. Like, we started hearing this a while back. So, maybe he did take the job. And you're right, that's a big jump, especially to go to the complete opposite side of the line. Huge step up in competition. Like, I get it. But it seemed like he took to it pretty quickly and he became a front runner pretty quickly maybe your options suck which is a variation of what you said but there's at least an argument to be made that Simmons did take the job and he was the one guy to do so and then Fryer, look he he was good in limited action last year at right tackle which is back where he's at now so um I I think it was was it Maryland or Indiana though like it wasn't a huge sample size and so we don't know that he's going to replace DeWan Jones and play to that level. But, <clears throat> you know, how do you feel about the interior of the line, though? You're pretty set there. I mean, they got to be – you got two, two guards, preseason All-American and Donovan Jackson. Sounds like Carson Hinsman, again, another guy that won the job, like, immediately at center. He seems to be the one – that like he was a spring had the
1: job like I remember talking about Hensman in the first pot I ever did, which was about spring camp so or about uh, the spring game so, the fact that he's been there and gotten those reps leads you a little more um, like less concerned about that but center is really important what's going to help him is those guards are really going to help like these guys are coming back and they're going to be the the gel right guards. Good guards help a center more than good guards help tackles. Tackles are on their own. They're they're not going to get help. It doesn't matter what the other guys do. The tackle's got to go one-on-one against the guy in front of him or catch. Like, he he just doesn't – he's not going to see that help. They'll be able to help Hensman a little bit if he needs it. And I – that part of it is really – it's is really uh, – it, a, a strength of the team and for me it almost leads me to believe like if you told me Mayan Williams uh average more yards per carry because he was kind of the thunder to the lightning on the outside that is Travion Henderson it wouldn't shock me because of the line being able to move the pile more for him
0: how would you feel about a very 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 short Brandon Jacobs and then a tiki barber would that be would you take that duo for Ohio State this year
1: I'm in, sign me up, sign me up for a thousand yards for both of them. And we're, we're cooking at that point. Like you, because then it just opens up so much of the playbook. It takes the pressure off the tackles. It takes pressure off the quarterbacks that you can't do when you're just dropping back 50 times a game.
0: And I just need to get a Brandon Jacobs reference into the pod. Um, Always <laughs> a guy that I like. Why? Why? was is he is easy. He like your nephew or something, uncle. I don't know man I just you watched him play he was and he was a running back he was like 6'4 240 he was just an an awkward looking guy he was Derrick Henry before Derrick Henry with less speed but <clears throat> I don't know let me live all right let's let's talk about some defense <laughs> on defense uh, for the Buckeyes, I think it starts up front. They Ohio State will be hoping for an improved pass rush led by preseason All-American JT sorry, and his running mate Jack Sawyer uh, on the opposite defensive end. A four to probably five player defensive tackle rotation, maybe, is sort of what we're hearing. Regardless, whatever that rotation is at, at DT, it will have plenty of girth and run-stopping ability. And so I think that's going to be a good unit up front. And then those guys will be backed up by another preseason All-American and linebacker Tommy Eichenberg, as well as his brother from another mother, Steel Chambers. About a sound, a two-man unit as they come, or, or that you will find. And then in the back end, sure, some questions to be answered, especially based on what we saw at the end of last year. But this OSU secondary has arguably been the talk of their preseason. Cornerback Denzel Burke was a freshman All-American in 2021. Everyone is saying that he is back to his old ways after a down 2022 season. Uh, you got Jordan Hancock and Ole Miss transfer Davison Egbenosen. They will sounds like they're going to battle, continue to battle for the opposite corner spot. Uh, Jim Knowles mentioned today that Jordan Hancock may be able to slide inside, play maybe more of like a slot corner, I think. And then at safety, at the very least, you've got a ton of experience, plus an actual living, breathing unicorn in Sonny Styles. Uh, He is the second year freak show and former five-star recruit in the 2022 class. FYI, he does not turn 19 until November. So... I don't know. I just can't wait to see him on the field. Chuck, I went through the defense a little bit quicker. How do you feel about this defense? Who do you want to see? Any concerns there? I am irrationally excited about this secondary this year. There is nothing that
1: they've done in the last couple years to justify it, but I just think they are in a talent and position-wise, they are in the right spots, and these guys are like the secondary is back. BIA is back, baby. We are going to see a, a defensive back end that dominates games as much as a defensive back end can in college football in 2023. Uh, I think the safeties are all where they need to be. I love I, I, I called this. I love that Jim Knowles last week mentioned that Sonny Styles is essentially a nickel slash strong side linebacker that he's just going to be in there. So even if teams are lined up to uh, pound the ball, it sure sounds like they're just going to keep him on the field and he's just going to turn into a linebacker for those plays. Uh, the the cornerbacks are – the have three of them that they have that kind of confidence in is huge. And I am I, – I could not be more fired up for the back end. Uh, I think the defensive line is going to be much improved. I'm, I don't have concerns about the back end. If the defensive line plays to its potential, now we're talking about a defense that can, with a B offense, B minus offense, still make a run in a playoff because they can win games 28 to 20 instead of 45
0: to 30. Any concerns about the to be named free adjuster safety? Uh, I wish John Carter had already taken a
1: job, but he was running with the ones and he was hurt in the preseason or hurt in spring and right. over the summer. So I'm not I'm not shocked that he's not fully in. Uh, I don't know that. Yeah, I, I don't feel like that's a position you can rotate a ton. So I feel like that's something they've got to get settled quick. But I do think once he gets on the field and this is what you're hoping with the quarterbacks is once he gets on the field, he just produces. The difference is, is he has three years of film that says when he gets on the field, he produces. So we're worth I'm less concerned about that. I think he's going to get out there and show that he's the guy for the position.
0: I think you're right. Maybe they're slow playing this. like They want to see if he truly is 100% going against another team, somebody else's number one. So I I, I am in total agreement with you there. And really, uh, in general, on this defense, I think it's going to be a much improved unit. And I'm really excited about what I think the defensive line is or can be. I... uh, this is another thing I've talked about before, and it's it's truly no offense, but on paper, the rotation is just so much more talented than it has been in years past. Like, Teron Vincent, Tommy Togiai, um, Tyreek Smith, Javante John Baptiste, Antoine Jackson, Jaron Cage, like, those guys had some moments, and... Uh, I'm glad they were in Columbus. I was like they were all great teammates, this and the other. The talent's just not even in the same ballpark. Like, if you looked at cutdown day today, you saw all of Ohio State's former de- re- recent defensive tackles. Like, you literally saw them all. Teron Vincent got cut. Tommy Togiai got cut. Antoine Jackson got cut. Like, not everything translates from college to the pros. I get that, but there's a reason that these guys aren't playing in the NFL, and they're not making rosters in the NFL. They just weren't the most talented guys in the world. So we've seen what Mike Hall Jr. can do. We've seen what Tyleek Williams can do. They just need to stay healthy. Ty Hamilton flies so incredibly far under the radar, it's not even funny. Tywon Malone, I think this time next year we could be talking about him as potentially Ohio State's best defensive tackle. Him and Justin Scott, who's going to come in as a true freshman and absolutely dominate. I'm already just putting that on record. But I'm excited about this team on defense especially, even more so than offense. And that's kind of crazy to say with all the running backs and with Marvin Harrison Jr. But we've seen Ohio State offenses do great things, do amazing things for the last handful of years. I'm more excited and more eager to see an Ohio State defense take a step up and get back to some of their better days. So I, I think we just make a smooth, quick transition here and start to break down Indiana talk about the Hoosiers unless there's something else that you want to touch on. Well, let me, let me get two quick answers from you very quickly when it comes to Ohio State. Biggest concern Biggest reason for optimism. Just quick sentence on each.
1: <laughs> uh, uh, it's the quarterback. What?
0: What? Uh, what else could
1: it be? All right, I've got you down for
0: quarter. Quarterback is your biggest yeah. reason for optimism. I've got that. <laughs> oh. Uh, okay, so be optimistic then. What gives you the most optimism about this team? The defensive secondary being improved I, I am
1: completely uh bought in on um you know if if they lose a game lose a game to michigan again this year it's not be because going to be because of uh three busted plays it's going to be they're just a better team uh or w- whatever it may be it's not going to be because of fluke busted plays same thing in a, a georgia rematch it's, they're not going to win or lose those games because of uh stupid plays that the the defensive backfield wasn't prepared
0: for. I agree with that. I think I agree with your former, your first point too. By default, that it's got to be the quarterback most important position on the team. Uh, We still have a lot of questions. I guess my, my hope is that, and you see this with some, not just football players, not just quarterbacks, you see this with some athletes. Like some guys practice like shit. They shouldn't. But they just, they can't get up for it. They they can't flip that switch mentally or maybe even physically. But then they can go out in games and they're winners. And, you know, we have no past history, really, of Kyle McCord doing that because he hasn't had the opportunity at Ohio State. But I'm going to choose to remain optimistic while admitting that, yeah, like you want – you want more certainty when it comes to your quarterback position. But let's just flip over and talk Indiana. I know you've been chomping at the bit to talk Indiana football.
1: <laughs> I, um, yeah, I mean, me and Tom Allen, we're two peas in a pod. So I can't wait to discuss. Uh, like you can't like you read through stuff about this team. And it's almost kind of crazy That. 2020 happened like I, I almost so much happened to 2020 that you want to forget this is one that everybody has forgotten because it's so absurd that they were so good and now they're so bad
0: yeah I mean 2020 a couple absolute monsters on defense at the time right Tijuana or Taiwan Mullen they had uh, McFadden the linebacker, and then they had Fry Fogle, the 6'8 wide receiver. Peyton Hendershot was good for them, too. But, yeah, it seems like a generation ago. As far as 2023 goes, uh, it'll be their seventh season under Tom Allen, with a few new-ish coordinators in tow, including former Ohio State analyst and Jim Knowles protege Matt Gurrieri. He so, so, he was at Ohio State last year, and then he took the Tulsa defensive coordinator position for about three weeks. And then he left for Indiana to be the co-DC. This team and this program, they're in the midst of what I would call either... A total rebuild or a pending tear down like it's going to be one or the other. I don't know where they're at yet. Like you and I talked about, they competed for a Big Ten title in 2020, but they have since gone six and 18. Allen is undoubtedly on the hot seat and they're heading into this season with just eight returning starters from a year ago. And 25 transfer portal editions now on the roster. Like, simply put, this is not a good team. They're over under, as determined by most services, is five wins or less or fewer. And my guess is that 2023 will be Tom Allen's swan song. But. I don't know, like in addition to Gurrieri, they've also added Bob Bostad to the staff. He has over 25 years of coaching experience, including a decade at Wisconsin, as well as multiple stints in the NFL. Maybe he figures something out with a run game. And you would think that at least a few of these transfers are bound to produce something, right? So before we look at some of the players and the positions I don't know, Chuck. Do you think that Tom Allen is around for the long haul? Or do you think that this is a sinking ship? Or do you think they can rebuild it? Like I like I said, I think they're on one end of the spectrum, and I haven't figured it out. Before I go to that,
1: in 2020, you remember Ohio State had to get the Big Ten to change the rule just to make the Big Ten title game because Indiana <laughs> was going to go at 6-1 and one against Northwestern. Wild. <laughs> and my – my, had the mighty fallen in three years. So, uh, to answer that question on Tom Allen, no, I don't. Um, I think I was actually looking at the schedule here because I could see Wisconsin being his last game. Uh, that's November 4th. They would have three games left. I just got a sneaking suspicion that they're going to be three and seven three and, well, maybe two and seven going into that game or after that game, and they're going to get smoked back-to-back Penn State and Wisconsin. And it's just not going to be good. So I I don't think he makes this. I think best case is he finishes out this year, but this year is going to be bad. They're just not a good football team. And they got a crap, crap, crap. Uh, schedule for the Big Ten. To have to play Michigan, Penn State, and in Ohio
0: State is just criminal.
1: There, there's no reason for any team in the East or in the West to have to play those three teams in the East. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a tough beat, but it's not this year that may or may not, it's not this year that is potentially going to get Tom Allen fired. It's 2021 in 2022 and you talked about the loss of their former offensive coordinator he's at washington now one of the best up-and-coming coaches in the country i don't even think there's an argument against that so <clears throat> i think it's i don't think you can really the quarterback right when you lose somebody like michael Peddick's
1: like That's a big deal. You don't get those guys at Indiana. This may be the new norm, and why you'll never really you'll catch lightning in a bottle at an Indiana. But with with NIL and the transfer portal the way it is, guys like him are going to come there, have one good year, and then be gone. I know Penix got hurt, and that was part of the reason he left. But even if he hadn't gotten hurt, he probably would have still
0: left. Yeah. Drake May is the exception to the new rule, staying at North Carolina, who, you know, they're probably plucky. But. Oh, yeah,
1: but yeah, they're still, but they're a a nine-win team. Yeah. Like North Carolina has least had success. They are a consistent seven to ten-win team. Indiana is a consistent four to five-win team that can get to eight if you got him, but they're not, they're just not going to have the talent level that even somebody like North Carolina, like, it's just, it's it's apples and oranges, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, Tom Allen landed the attractive male or female uh, who then realized that they were too good for him and, and left. You know, he did he did the right things. He, I, I think he's a defensive guy. So they figured out the defense, and then he figured out the offensive coordinator. They they figured out the quarterback, and then the latter two just left. And he's there to sort of pick up the pieces and put himself back together. And I just, I don't think that he will, but I don't think anyone's crying crocodile tears either. You know, he's highly compensated and he made a good run at it, but, you know, let's get to these players in these positions, starting with quarterback, arguably the most interesting position and possibly player or players on the Hoosiers roster. Allen has not named a starter because you obviously want to have that competitive advantage. You want to possibly trick Ohio State with your kicker running onto the field for that opening kickoff. That's another competitive advantage that he wants to retain over Ryan Day. Credit where credit is due. That's big brain thinking right there. But... I personally think the starting quarterback for Indiana is going to be redshirt freshman Taven Jackson. He is a former four-star recruit and Tennessee volunteer who transferred to IU after one season in Knoxville. He's also the younger brother of former IU hoopster Trace Jackson Davis. Now, Jackson only attempted four passes at Tennessee, but he was the top 15 quarterback in the 2022 class. He can throw, he can run a little bit. I think that he is... Head and shoulders above the rest, I think he's the best option for IU, but like I said, I don't get paid millions to coach and win a quarter of my football games. Brendan Soresby is the presumed other guy in this position battle, dual threat quarterback originally out of Texas, he is in his second season with the Hoosiers, he's like 6'3", 230, sort of a big boy, and he can do a little bit of everything. Sticking with the offense, Josh Henderson returns at running back. He was second on the team in rushing yards last season and reeled in 24 receptions. Also back are wide receivers, Donovan McCulley, a former quarterback, and Cam Camper, the latter of which totaled nearly 600 yards in just seven games last year. He was a transfer. He got hurt, but he had done some things previous to that. And... The Hoosiers also added Dequeese Carter from Fordham. He put up nearly 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns last year. Look, the Hoosiers have a few guys who will make plays on offense. I have no doubt. And Bostad from Wisconsin, he's coaching a revamped offensive line that gets back Matthew Bedford. He was honorable mention all Big Ten in 2021 before getting injured and missing most or missing almost all of last season. So, I'm interested to see, I don't know, if they hit on Taven Jackson. Like Not many people knew Michael Penix Jr. before he broke out at IU. If this Jackson kid can do some things, Cam Camper was pretty darn good last year when he was healthy. And then the kid from Fordham, definitely a step up, but... 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns, that ain't nothing, right? I just, I, I don't think Indiana can run the ball to save their life. And so this new coach, Bostad, would have to to help them out. And then they have Walt Bell as their offensive coordinator trying to patch things together. But any fear of the Hoosiers offense, Chuck? Or what do you think about some of the, the new influx of talent that they have coming? Yeah, I guess the
1: concern is Walt Bell is an air raid guy. And anytime you bring the air raid into a new system or a new scenario in a new school, you always end up with those one or two crazy games where it just goes wild. And you hate for that to be the first week. And all of a sudden it's 35-30 in the fourth quarter because these guys are five wide every single play. Tom Allen doesn't seem like the kind of head coach that is going to fully embrace the air raid. And he isn't the first head coach that has potentially hired the wrong guy as a coordinator because he doesn't mesh stylistically. So maybe that helps Ohio state. But if that whole first quarter, they're five wide the whole time and they make a couple plays, then all of a sudden you start getting a little itchy wondering, Hey, are they, are they going to be able to bust this open because they're just slinging it everywhere? Every single snap.
0: Yeah. I want to give them some benefit of the doubt. But, you know, they tried this last year. Connor Bazelak was a high-profile dude coming out of high school, and he played some at Mizzou. Now, I don't think he was a top 15 quarterback in his recruiting class, but Taven Jackson was, and whether he left Tennessee because he wanted to come back home, like be near where his brother went to school, and he's from Indiana as well, or (coughs) – it may have been that maybe he didn't think he could beat out Joe Milton and the freshman they brought in. I don't know. But I'm not saying he's untalented or can't. He might be something. But even if he is, again, I just I look at the rest of the roster. I, I don't have them pulled up in front of me right now. But I, I think they averaged like one and a half yards per carry per rush last year. Like it was awful and that offensive line hasn't gotten much much better I mean they get the guy back who I said uh, Bentner Barton he was a honorable mention guy two years ago missed all of last year even a great offensive line coach or a great offensive mind I don't know how much they can sort of fix a run game in short order if all of the pieces are the same but um, yeah I, I don't know on the other side of the ball For IU on defense, I think they're going to face some real challenges. Whether they're playing Ohio State or anyone else, nine of the Hoosiers' top 10 tacklers from a year ago are gone. And Gurrieri was brought in to be the co-DC after Chad Wilt's unit gave up 34 points per game and allowed 450 yards per game in 2022. I don't know about you, Chuck. If somebody gets brought in to be like the co-manager when I'm already the manager, like I'm not loving that. I don't know how, how well you could put aside your ego. I, I don't know that that's great for Wilt. Uh, I know Gurrieri was apparently a hot commodity because he was a defensive coordinator for two schools just this summer. That's impressive. That's gotta be something right. Or at least during the spring and the summer, because he left Tulsa after a month, regardless, Defense used to be a calling card for IU, but they just flat out stunk last year. Maybe replacing all the starters will be addition by subtraction. That's rarely the case. One player who is back is linebacker Aaron Casey. He's a good player. He led the Hoosiers with 86 total tackles last season, including 10.5 for loss. But very little to speak of other than Casey when it comes to returning production. The team did add Former Western Michigan defensive lineman. He is a five-year college vet. Um, Gosh, I don't have the kid's name. Chuck, if you can look that up for me real quick. Indiana transfer from Western Michigan defensive lineman. I just forgot to write it down. That's on me. Uh, But anyway, he totaled 68 tackles and seven sacks in 2022. The names and the numbers are scarce elsewhere, Chuck. You know, IU is trying to cobble together a starting defense with random pieces from other schools and other teams. I think this is sort of where the Hoosiers really get their face kicked in this season. Like, it's just a bunch of guys. And I don't know how well it's going to work. They lost every defender of note besides Casey and added guys who made a few spot starts here and there in other conferences. But there aren't a lot of big names coming in or returning. And I think that's a problem.
1: Andre Carter is who you were looking for. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Uh, Chad Wilt didn't call plays last year. So I'm guessing he's already been uh, pretty much neutered to the point where he's just collecting a paycheck at this point. Tom Allen actually was the one that called plays last year. So he gave that back up when he brought in uh, Matt. Uh, Girieri, uh because I, I mean, what do you, what do you think? He just, Wanted Big Ten money versus AAC money coming here instead of coming to Indiana instead of Tulsa was probably what you're what you're looking at there. When you bring these guys in from lower levels, like, they need to have produced. If they're not producing at the lower levels, like, we're, we're, what are they going to do when they play Ohio State's offensive line? You look at, like, guys like Jared Verse coming out of Albany. Well, he had 18 or 20 sacks at Albany. So, of course, he was going to probably be still okay at FSU. That's not these guys at Indiana's bringing in. So... I don't, it, it's going to be, they're going to have to win shootouts. Like they're going to win games 42 to 40 because I just don't see how the football or how the defensive side of the football can be productive. And it's, uh, it's, it's kind of scary
0: for that coaching staff because I think they're going to be in for a long year. And that's sort of where I'm at. <laughs> even though I like some of the pieces, I, I do. I, I remember watching Camper. I even wrote about him. Um, during Ohio State's preview last year, and I was like, damn, you know, this guy. And then he maybe got hurt. I know that at one point I was doing a write-up on him, and he put up some big-time stats in less than an ideal situation. So you look at him, you look at the quarterback, whoever it's going to be. I even mentioned... Soresby, like, I think he's going to be the backup, but he's a tank. You know, you look at a guy 6'3, 230. His last year, he played high school in Denton, Texas, and I I was looking up his bio, and I think before he was hurt in his high school year, he like ran for 800 through for 1400, something like that. So he's a true dual threat. Jackson's got some skill, obviously, a top 15 quarterback. So. And then the kid from Ford, I'm like, I think I like some of those pieces. But you may have been able to find those guys last year. Even Bazelak, their their former quarterback, like I mentioned. And it still didn't work. What's funny enough is Jack Tuttle was there forever. Do you know that he is at Michigan? Sixth year, Jack Tuttle, who couldn't cut it at Indiana, was like, I'm going to go be at least second string at Michigan. Go chase the ring. You know, more power to you. I I appreciate that. I give you kudos, but I don't think this is a good team. I think they are arguably the worst team in the Big Ten. Maybe they'll surprise me, you, all of us. But I hope that this game is a confidence builder for several Ohio State players. I would like it to be
1: a confidence builder for... A quarterback and a couple of offensive tackles. If I could go ahead and just like put that out there in the universe, that's what that's what I would like.
0: Unfortunately, I don't know that their opposition is going to offer much resistance because I think that those are some of the weaknesses for IU being secondary and then offensive line. But again, we're not experts. I'm not I really I appreciate what Tom Allen did a couple of years ago, but you can't argue, you can't deny that they are on like such a downward trajectory that it's hard to believe in a bounce back at this point, unless a bunch of these new players hit. But it's like, hey, we were awful, and we're bringing back eight total starters, and we're going to bring in all these transfers. Like we've seen how that has typically worked. The exception is. mel tucker michigan state team maybe it is a 2023 colorado team i doubt it i can't wait to see them play tcu but i think it's going to be tough sledding for them i think that we will probably see some some ups and downs from ohio state but Generally speaking, I, I expect them to sort of hand Indiana their butts. And if they don't, then Ryan Day and company, they really need to reassess some of the decision-making or the position battles that they have sort of finalized or dictated and maybe look at them again. Because even if you have a new quarterback and a predominantly new offensive line, I get that this is a Big Ten opponent. But if you are Ohio State and you have national title hopes, you should go out and you should mercy rule Indiana. So I think let's start building towards that, Chuck. You can either give me a prediction as to like how you think this game plays out. You can tell me when you think we're gonna see Kyle McCord versus Devin Brown. You can give me a star of the game, like a predicted star of the game. Or do you just want to do score predictions? It's up to you. It's your first game week. Pick one of those things and we'll start there. Our partners at my bookie have this at 29 and a half.
1: And that is a really, really big number for a team that doesn't have a starting quarterback to sign it. So I just I I, I think it ends up being a comfortable number because the talent discrepancy is just too big and it's not like going to Indiana is that big of a deal especially with all the Ohio State fans this is actually the best case scenario for traveling for Ohio State because going to Indiana in the middle of the year after you've been to a couple games is well uh, okay we'll go first game of the year we're in right everybody's in they're going it's going to be all scarlet versus crimson so I think they win going away 20, 21 points, but I don't think they cover. And I sure as hell do not believe that this defense gives up enough points for an over 59 and a half. I think it's a lower 30 to 10 game, 28 to 10 type walking, uh, going away in the fourth quarter. If
0: it's 28 to 10, yikes. <laughs> if that's the final score. I, But I, I do not have
1: I, – I don't believe either of these quarterbacks are going to come in here and blow it up for, for a couple reasons. One, either of them have played well enough in practice. Two, guess what? They're both going to press. Like this first game is going to be both of them seeing which one can be more scattershot with the ball because they're nervous because they know what's on the line. And three – the same thing with the tackles; they may end up being good, but I do think this first game they're going to not play up to their potential. Potentially, you like that two potentials in a row, just to see, just because it's a none of them have been in this scenario before. So I, 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 we're going to be concerned coming out of this game. I'm worried about.
0: And now you're making me, you know, feel worse about it, but. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the benefit of the doubt to the coaches. And to your point, with like preparation and, and pressing of the quarterbacks and this, that, and the other, maybe this is where one does establish himself as the guy. And maybe there was just so much pressing during the battle that, that neither guy really met his ceiling. But if one of these guys steps up. And balls out in their first let's say real start or their first game at real game action as far as Devin brown goes then maybe that makes right to say ryan day's eventual decision that much easier I, I again it's less than ideal and i can be dead wrong but i'm not as pessimistic as you are now as far as the spread, which you brought up, let's tackle that. You don't think they're going to cover. Hold on, hold on, hold on.
1: I, I don't think Devin Brown could win the game this weekend. He may be able to beat the starter the next week. He They may pull a Michigan where uh, last year uh, McNamara and McCarthy traded starts, but Brown doesn't win the job this week. McCord could. If McCord comes in and goes 14-15 for 225 in his half of the game, like, there's a potential where they say he's our guy, but I think Brown would have to do it over this week and next week before he
0: gets the job. (laughs) Before I tackle the spread, just sort of you talking allowed me to come up with this and it's probably not an original thought, but now that Kyle McCord is the known starter, or at least for week one, I think he and Marv just need to be on the phone or in a room together and Marvin Harrison going to be like throw me the effing ball every single time in the first half. I don't care who's on me. I don't care who's around me. Like, if you want to take this job now because we're not practicing, we're in a game setting. Throw it to me every flippin' time, and, and I'm gonna help you out. But <clears throat> I think Ohio State gets close to covering. But I. I'll be a bit conservative here. I think they win by 24, 27, 28 points. I'll even go a step further and give you a, a score or a number. Look, it's the spread. Like you said, it's 29, 29 and a half, 30, maybe move around a little bit. I'm just going to call it right now, 42 to 14. They fail to cover, but it is a comfortable four touchdown win. So Chuck, I'm going to pin you down for a score prediction what say you? I'll give them an extra field goal, 31 to 10. We're not going to have a great pod come Sunday. If it's a 31 to
1: 10 <laughs> game,
0: I can tell you that much right now. But, okay, let me hit you with another question or set of questions then. Give me one predicted star on each side of the ball, you can you know you can throw me a stat line if you want, or just one guy on each side of the ball that is going to ball out.
1: Sonny Styles is going to have a pick and at least one tackle for loss on the defensive side, and Travion, I believe, goes ten carries, 125
0: yards. I like both of those. I was gonna. I was going to go Travion Henderson, but since you took him, I'll just take the the canned response, the easy answer. I'll say Marvin Harrison Jr. goes bananas, regardless of who's in the, the game throwing in the ball. And then on defense, I don't think that Indiana is going to try to run the ball a ton because they can't, or they haven't shown that they can. And if they're behind, then they're going to want to throw the ball. So uh, I'm going to take out the linebackers, but... I'll say JT Tuimoloa. Wow. I'll take probably the names, of the two names at the top of every list. I'll say that JT plays very well. You know, call it a sack and a half, couple TFLs, something like that. But I think he looks good in this game and even further establishes his name um, as a potential All American. So those were really the questions I had for you, Chuck. I think that we're good to wrap up, but I don't want to miss anything. So, anything sort of like in parting or as sort of a final send off that you want. It's your first game week. You're clearly not the most optimistic about this game, but you know, sum it up, close it out, whatever you want to do before I send us off here.
1: I'd like to point out that I said they were going to win by three touchdowns. That's a, that's pretty damn optimistic. Like where where are we at as a society where a team can't win by three touchdowns and be considered a good week?
0: Come on. Give me give me a little bit here. Without looking though, what is the combined score of the last two Ohio State Indiana matchups? Way more than that. So it is one ten to twenty one. Uh, back in October of 2021, Ohio State 154 to seven, and then November 12th of last year, Ohio State 156 to 14. Chuck, I'm sure that you would love to remind me that that was with C.J. Stroud and some proven offensive linemen in tow. Um, at least going back to 2021, though, like C.J. Stroud wasn't that proven, and you know, Thayer Mumford and company not the greatest offensive line in the world, but Ohio State has won the last 100 in a row, 27 in a row. One was vacated. That's a joke. But yeah, I'm just excited to see some Ohio State football. I know that I can put those words in Chuck's mouth as well. We're excited to see the Buckeyes right, wrong, or otherwise, however we feel about Kyle McCord at all. I know that we're excited for that. And it's just gonna be, it's gonna be a great weekend, regardless of how things shake out. Well, I think regardless of how things shake out, like if a monumental upset happens, we might just have to close up shop. Neither one of us will uh, be with Land Grant any longer, but in any event, I don't think that that's going to be the case. Now that we are in season, Chuck and I will be coming to you on both Wednesdays and Sundays. Uh, we're going to try and be up by about lunchtime on Sundays with sort of a, a recap, but not immediate recap of the game and a little bit of forward looking. So we're going to be coming at you guys twice per week during the season. We want to thank you ahead of time for listening. Uh, and again, just ask you to like, rate, review and subscribe to the pod and until next time, for real this time, go Bucks.